I want you to hit me as hard as you can. This baby-faced badass can charm you with a smile and destroy you with a gun, or a fist, or a kick, or even a sword. And he's not even a quote-unquote martial artist. Yeah, technically Chow Young-Fat isn't even an action star. He's an actor who is so talented that he's been able to transcend genres. And one of those genres just happens to be action. He also excels in comedy, drama, and musicals too, by the way. Chow is the perfect ballerina in the bullet-riddled ballets of filmmaker John Woo. Together these dudes turned the action genre into poetry, bringing in a new type of action hero who's allowed to cry and have, like, emotional emotions, and actually be able to act. He brings a raw, gritty realism to those action films he's in, elevating the genre while also making it relatable. It's kinda like what Robert De Niro's acting style did to the American gangster film. He is in so many amazing films. Films that'll blow your frickin' mind. But lately it does feel like this dragon has been hiding from the spotlight. So where the f is he? What the f has he been up to? And why the f don't we see him as much anymore? But mainly, we just want to know, in the most respectful way possible, what the f happened to Chow Yun-Fat? What the f but to truly understand what the f happened to Chow Yun-Fat, we must start at the beginning of the beginning began when he was born on his birthday, 1955 Hong Kong, into a family of poor farmers. And the lessons that he learned from that hard-working, humble beginning have stayed with him to this very day. Like this day, right here, this very day, now! He soon became interested in acting and everybody thought it was a wild and crazy idea that would never happen, but then it did! He had his big break very early on in his career, when Chow teamed up with director John Woo for the first time in the 1986 gangster action film A Better Tomorrow. In a way, giving birth to a new action subgenre that some like to call heroic bloodshed. And yeah, it's very heroic, and yeah, there's a lot of blood that is shed. Chow Yun-Fat would win his first Best Actor Award at the Hong Kong Film Awards for this film, A Better Tomorrow. Like, look at him, he makes smoking cigarettes with money so cool. But y'all shouldn't do that, actually. For many reasons. And speaking of money, the film would become the highest grossing film in Hong Kong at the time, pulling in 34.5 million in Hong Kong dollars. I don't know what that is in, in the American dollars but I'm sure it's a lot. The film is considered by many to have set the standard for the Hong Kong gangster film, with many trying to replicate it over the years. And yeah, that final epic gun battle seems to go on forever, and I mean that in a good way. You never want this sequence to end. And this, this right here is why people make movies. 
Xiao would bring on several more gun-fu films. Interesting and pretty awesome films like Spiritual Love, Flaming Brothers, Scared Stiff, An Autumn's Tale, Rich and Famous, Prison on Fire, Tragic Hero, Romancing Star, and City on Fire, which would have a major influence on Quentin Tarantino's Reservoir Dogs, and would establish Chow Young-Fat as a leading man for gritty crime thrillers. In 1987, Chow and John Woo would team up for the sequel to their breakout hit, A Better Tomorrow, with A Better Tomorrow 2. And due to Chow's character being extremely popular in the first film, but ultimately meeting his maker at the end, spoiler alert, sorry, it was decided to bring him back to play the twin brother of the character from the first film. Okay, sure, yeah. The film pulled down solid reviews with critics appreciating the excessive violence and how it was so beautiful. That's the thing about John Woo and Chow Yun-Fat. They make violent, horrible things look beautiful. For lack of a better word, beautiful. Look at that, it's beautiful. That guy getting shot right there, that is, it's beautiful. The choreography, it's, it's, all, it's all just perfect. It's a work of frickin' art. The film would again be a box office smash for the Hong Kong market, pulling in 22 million of whatever they use as currency in Hong Kong. He would continue his dominating run of Hong Kong cinema with films like City War, The Eighth Happiness, Fractured Follies, Tiger on Beat, The Greatest Lover, Diary of a Big Man, Wild Search, and of course, God of Gamblers. Can't forget that one. Chow Yun-Fat's character bangs his head and he pretty much becomes mentally challenged and he goes all in on this one. Like Daniel Day-Lewis meets Jim Carrey all in. <laughs> then Chow did what he does best and that's work with John Woo. He would team up with the master filmmaker again for the action thriller The Killer. One of the best action movies ever made. No one of the best films ever made. The film was not a massive hit in Hong Kong initially. It was a violent film that was unfortunately released around the time of the Tiananmen Square Massacre. Audiences weren't exactly in the mood to use violent cinema as escapism at the moment. Eventually, the film found an audience, grossing over 18 million in Hong Kong buckaroos. And of course, the film has since gone down as a classic, everybody loving the over-the-top style. And I absolutely love when he screams Mickey Mouse while chaos reigns all around him in a storm of bullets and fire. This right here is why people make movies. And this right here is why people watch movies. Chow would then return to the world of tomorrows that are better than today's, with a prequel to A Better Tomorrow called A Better Tomorrow 3, 
And unfortunately, this one is kind of a laughable disappointment. It's not very good because it's not directed by John Woo, who unfortunately had a falling out with the producer. And yeah, this one gets a little ridiculous to the point of being comical, but A Better Tomorrow 3 did pull in a solid 18 million of whatever they do in Hong Kong for money. Chow Yun-Fat would continue to gain respect and power as one of Hong Kong's most versatile stars with the 1990 20 million Hong Kong dollar grossing comedy The Fun, The Luck, and The Tycoon where he plays dual roles, more than one. The year 1991 would see Chow star in The Caper, Once a Thief, reuniting with director John Woo. This one is a wee bit sillier than the other John Woo Chow Yun-Fat collaborations, but you know what? Its silliness is kind of refreshing in a way. Critics and audiences enjoyed the film with many loving the style of the motion picture, pulling in 33 million Hong Kong dollar monies. And the film would be nominated for four Hong Kong Film Awards, including Best Actor for Chow Yun-Fat. He would follow that up by reuniting again with legendary filmmaker John Woo for the stylish Hard Boiled in 1992. And I know I said all of those other movies were like the greatest action movies ever made, but this one, I mean, is actually the greatest action movie ever made, I think. But unfortunately, the film was not as successful as the other previous efforts, pulling in just under 20 million Hong Kong dollars, which sounds like a lot if you don't have 20 million Hong Kong dollars. Empire Magazine ranked Chow Yun-Fat's character Tequila as one of the greatest movie characters of all time. And once again, the epic gunfight battle finale in the hospital climaxes in an opera of violence. It's beautiful. They're just throwing around babies and bullets, and it feels like the action sequence goes on forever. And I mean that in the best way possible. It's like a 40 minute long action sequence, and it's, it's amazing. Like, look at this one shot right here. This is all one shot. Look at that. This, this right here is why people make movies, and this right here is why people watch movies too. Chow would finish off the year 1992 by starring in Full Contact, another downright badass action flick. Even though the film was called Gleefully Tasteless, and it was knocked for not having as much style as the other John Woo films, the film would ultimately gross just shy of 17 million Hong Kong dollars. Although over time the film Full Contact has gained much respect. And this one appears on many lists of the 100 greatest action films ever made, so, so yeah, so there. 1994, we would see Chow Young return in God of Gamblers Returns. And the film would be a sizable hit, pulling in over 52 million in those dollars from Hong Kong. Then in 1995, Chow Young Fat would co write the story for the action western Peace Hotel. 
The film did have many mixed reviews, with some confused by the concept of a Hong Kong set western, but it still managed to make 24 million Hong Kong dollars. Rumor has it, if you believe rumors, the final action sequence was secretly ghost-directed by John Woo. Having conquered the world of Hong Kong cinema and seeing the success his frequent collaborator John Woo was having in Hollywood, America, Chow decided that after a three-year absence from the screen, he would make the jump to the United States and make the film The Replacement Killers. At the time of its release, this film set the record for the most bullets fired in an American film. Congratulations, bullets. It would ultimately make a little over $19 million off a $30 million budget. Critics were very happy to see Chow Yun-Fat make his English language debut, but were disappointed that the film was just a bad knockoff of his much better Hong Kong-produced shoot-'em-ups. But The Replacement Killers, it's, it's good in its own way. It has some really amazing sequences. Chow would next be seen opposite Marky Mark in The Corrupter in 1999. This would be his second attempt at success in the American film market, but sadly, yet again, the film was met with lackluster reviews, with those pesky critics again unfavorably comparing it to Chow Yun-Fat's Hong Kong work. And audiences didn't really show up for this one, making $24.5 million off a $25 million budget. But actually, many people really enjoy this film. Also in that year 1999 came Anna and the King, where Chow would play the king. The film was released to some controversy when the Thai government called the film historically inaccurate and insulting to the royal family, thus banning the film from the country. Banned. You've been banned, Anna and the King. It's one of those beautiful yet boring films. But Chow Yun-Fat and Jodie Foster, they're great in it. Chow would then star in the massive hit, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, from master filmmaker Ang Lee. I remember in some advertisement for this movie back in the year 2000, Roger Ebert saying that this film has everything we go to the movies for. And you know what? He's right. It has epic action, heartbreaking romance, beautiful cinematography, only rivaled by the music led by a master filmmaker with a cast at the top of their game. The film played in American theaters for 31 weeks, ultimately grossing $128 million and becoming the first foreign language film to gross over $100 million at the American domestic box office, with international audiences propelling the film to make $213.5 million worldwide off of a $17 million budget. This was probably the first foreign language film I ever saw in the theaters. And you know what? It was the perfect flick to help my unsophisticated mind appreciate movies that have those damn subtitles. Reading at the movies? <laughs> Lame. But you know what? I was wrong. Reading at the movies is cool! Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon won Best Foreign Language Film at the Oscars, and I remember it being a frontrunner for Best Picture up against Gladiator. Bottom line, Chow Yun-Fat is amazing in this, and the film itself is gosh darn beautiful. 
Then came the year 2003, with the movie Bulletproof Monk, which was a crouching tiger hidden dragon for the American Pie generation. And I'm sure everyone thought that this was gonna be the next rush hour, and truly bring Mr. Fat to the American mainstream, but no. It would be the next failure in Chow Yun-Fat's English language extravaganza, pulling in just 37 million worldwide against a $52 million budget. How'd you do that? Chow would return to the world of Hong Kong cinema for the postmodern life of my aunt and score yet another Hong Kong Film Award nomination for his performance. Then came the year 2006, and Chow would next be seen in Curse of the Golden Flower. And this film right here earned a whopping 14 nominations at the Hong Kong Film Awards, including Best Actor for Mr. Chow Yun-Fat. But of course, you can chow down on Chow's performance in this one. This felt more like a Crouching Tiger vibe, and audiences seemed to really like that from Mr. Chow propelling this film to make $78 million. And this film right here, it is a visual feast, but it is somewhat lacking in the story. But whatever, it looks pretty, so there. Chow would next have the biggest hit of his career by playing the Pirate Lord of the South China Sea, in the third entry into the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, At World's End. China censored the film upon its release, saying that Chow's performance gave a negative stereotypical portrayal of the Chinese people. And of the 20 minutes that Chow was on screen in the film, China cut out 10 for their release. And I have something to say to the Chinese censors about that. I tell you what, I'm gonna give you guys a piece of my mind and I'm just gonna say that the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise is kind of the poster child for the law of diminishing returns. The original film was highly regarded as the resurrection of the action genre blockbuster film, where when it was time for this third film to come around, the plot had become so convoluted that I, I just, I didn't know what was going on. It's a pirate movie based on a fucking Disney ride. Why am I confused? Although audiences still showed up, giving the film an A-minus cinema score, and propelling this movie, Pirates of the Caribbean 3, to become the highest grossing film of 2007, with $963.4 million worldwide. My god. Don't get me wrong, I love the first Pirates movie, and Chow Yun-Fat, he does an excellent job with this character, but it's just, it just didn't do much for me. Then came the epic film Red Cliff. This was John Woo's return to Chinese language films. And of course, he needed his trusted Chow by his side as his leading man to make this one. But that didn't happen. Unfortunately, Chow had to drop out at the last minute, claiming that he was given the script too late. And he didn't have enough time to properly prepare for the role. But producers claim it was because of some up Hollywood show business nonsense in his contract. No matter the reason, the reunion of Wu and Fat was dead on arrival. And rumors of a feud between the actor and the director have been spinning ever since. But I'm just gonna choose to not believe those rumors and 
and just go on thinking that Chow and John are BFFs for Fs. From legendary director John Woo. Then came Dragon Ball Evolution in 2009, and Chow would appear in this failed big-screen adaptation of the popular Dragon Ball series. The film was absolutely obliterated by critics and audiences, who felt that it lacked any of the magic of the source material. And yeah, I'm not even a Dragon Ball fan. Like, I literally don't give a crap about anything Dragon Ball. And even I was offended by this blasphemous behemoth. But it wasn't Chow Young-Fat's fault. I don't think. In 2010, Chow would play renowned philosopher Confucius in a movie called Confucius. The film was made to coincide with the 2560th birthday of Confucius himself, but sadly Confucius passed away before he could see the finished film. But Chow shut all the haters down who were doubting him and delivered yet another amazing performance and was nominated for yet another Hong Kong Film Award, Best Actor. He would then star opposite John Cusack and Ken Watanabe in the political thriller Shanghai in 2010. And this one had a limited release in the United States where it tanked and received horrendous reviews. One of those critics said it was clunky. You don't want your movies to be clunky. Then he decided to return to his action roots. Chow would bounce back with Let the Bullets Fly in 2010. The film would go on to become the highest grossing domestic release in China's history, and that record was held for two years. In 2012, Chow would appear in the Chinese historical drama The Assassins. I hear it's pretty good, I hear it's okay. <laughs> And later that year, Chow would return to the world of gangster cinema with The Last Tycoon in 2012. And the film would pull in 5.7 million Hong Kong dollars. After taking the year 2013 off, Chow would appear in a crime comedy called From Vegas to Macau in 2014. The film ultimately made an impressive amount of money from its domestic market, roughly translating to over 95 million dollars. And, of course, there would be a sequel, From Vegas to Macau 2, outgrossing the original. So much money. 2014, we would also see Chow appear in another epic action fantasy film, The Monkey King. The film would receive pretty horrid reviews, with some calling it a hot mess from heaven. Although those horrible things did not stop it from having the highest grossing opening day ever in China. The film finished its run with over a billion of some of that Chinese money that roughly translates to 182 million in the US. Next up, Chow would take on a musical with a 2015 Hong Kong production of Office. In 2016, Chow would appear in the sequel to a movie called Cold War in Cold War 2, playing the film's main villain. And the film pulled in an impressive 66 million in Hong Kong dollars and was nominated for several Hong Kong Film Awards. And this dude right here, Chow Young-Fat, he's so humble and down-to-earth that he actually bought a ticket and waited in line at a theater to see his own movie, Cold War II. I mean, he's Standing like... in line, 
to see his own movie. Yeah. It's his I own mean, movie. Maybe he missed a premiere. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. Yeah. 2018 would see Chow star in Project Gutenberg, where yet again Chow proved that he still holds the title as the ultimate Hong Kong movie star with this making 1.4 billion in Hong Kong dollars, earning an impressive 16 nominations at those Hong Kong Film Awards, including Best Actor for Chow, well-deserved once again. And Chow Young-Fat has always been outspoken about his support of Hong Kong, especially during the 2019-2020 Hong Kong protests. And Chow's support of that saw him banned from working in mainland China. And we're not 100% sure that not working in China is going to affect his career. But I'm sure that Chow is strong enough to continue on. No matter how hard you try, you cannot ban or censor my boy Chow. You know what? He's still continuing on. He's still making films. <laughs> Chow Yun-Fat is now well into his 60s, and he still looks like this. He hasn't aged a day. Maybe he's a vampire, I don't know. But you know what? You're looking at a multi-millionaire who lives on $200 a month. Like I said, his humble farm boy roots never left him. So what the f happened to Chow Yun-Fat? Well, he's just been living a simple, quiet life, making the occasional film when he feels like it. And this multi-millionaire still uses public transportation. And apparently he's extremely approachable and friendly to all of his fans, often engaging in selfies which feature a smile full of happiness that seems legit, like actual happiness. Chow Yun-Fat is basically a movie star monk, living a simple life, sharing his wealth and his wisdom with anyone in need. And when most other celebrities who have half his status drown themselves in this elite, stuck-uppiness, Chow never puts himself above anyone. He's truly a man of the people, no matter if he's walking on a red carpet or a subway. And he seems to be a decent human being too, saying that when he passes away, he intends to leave his entire fortune to charity. That's over $700 million in US dollars. His experimentation with English language films may not have been met with the same enthusiasm as his Hong Kong based films, but guess what? North America isn't the end all be all of cinema. There's an entire world of films out there. His North American films may have been cheap imitations of what he is capable of, but if you get out of your comfort zone and track down some of these Hong Kong produced flicks, you will treat yourself to some of the best action films ever made. And that's all thanks to Chow Yun Fat. And I would love to see another John Woo, Chow Yun-Fat collaboration, but I don't really think we need one. They have given us enough, and we should just sit back and enjoy them over and over and over again. So nobody should give a fuck about what the fuck happened to Chow Yun-Fat, because he's doing just fine.
Thank you for watching our show. If you like what you see, please subscribe to our Joe Blow videos channel. Tell your friends who like this sort of content and turn on the bell to receive notifications for all of our latest videos. We're an independent company and we appreciate all your support.